Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there today. Just a big shout out to you. We are so blessed with our mothers and, and how God has fashioned and made them and how they love us and care for us. And I just pray that this day will be really special for you. And uh, I want you to know how much we love and appreciate you mothers and all you do for us. Well, uh, just thinking about this thought, relationships are based on honesty, on trust, and on commitment. When those things are absent, we really struggle with, with uh, relationships. In the movie Liar, Liar, Jim Carrey played a lawyer who was so accustomed to lying that he couldn't really tell the truth anymore. It, it, he promised his son over and over he would come and play ball with him. He'd take him to the ball game. He'd take him here. He, they were going to do all these things. And, and he was let down by his father over and over and over again. You kind of get to the point where you just stop trusting in people. And it's a killer for relationships. Uh, many of us have lost faith in someone who's let us down. It could be a, a friend that that wasn't there for us when we needed them. They're, they didn't provide what we needed. It, it could be a salesperson that we purchased something from and they made these boasts of how good this product was and, and it was just an out and out lie. Politicians promise us all the time what they're gonna do if we elect them and so often we're disappointed that that doesn't come to fruition. Uh, our family members can, can sometimes let us down as well. And a husband and wife who stood at an altar and pledged their love and faithfulness in the, in the face of, of friends and family members and, and of God. Uh, and they made a pledge for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, uh, for in sickness or in health, and to death parts us. And sadly, so often those words seem to ring hollow and empty when when a marriage relationship can break up as well. Well, there, there are all kinds of experiences that we have that may cause us to ask, would God let us down also? I trusted in other people, but can I trust in God? Would he let me down like I've been let down by so many other people before? It's a challenge, wondering if God would come through for us. And you may be praying and believing, and, and perhaps you've been asking God for a job, and you still don't have it, and the bills are paying up. Uh, perhaps your marriage is not improving, or your kids are not turning around. Maybe it is that your health is getting worse, uh, or you still don't have that girlfriend or boyfriend that you've been looking for, and, and you want to find somebody to get married to and share your life with. And maybe that depression hasn't lifted uh, also. You may be able to relate to Abraham then, because Abraham was given promises by God. And behind all of this, at times, Abraham wondered... Does God really going to fulfill his promise for us? Will he respond uh, and will he do as he say, he say he's done for us or will do for us? 
Uh, and here is, uh, here is uh, Abraham. He's getting a great start in his faith. God says, go. And he just went, not even knowing where he was going. And he comes into the land and God blesses him and, and he uh, worships there. And then comes a drought. And he's wondering, can God take care of us? Will God be good for his word? And so he goes and he messes up his life. He endangers his wife. He, he goes uh, down to Egypt and, and his wife, uh, Sarai, is, is on the verge of going into the harem of the Pharaoh. Uh, he comes away from that experience. And in Genesis chapter 14, which we won't be dealing with in, in, uh, entirely, uh, he goes and he has a, uh, 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 his nephew Lot going and captured by these five uh, entities, these five governments that uh, ransack and take him off. And uh, here he is endangering his life and he's, uh, he's heading into battle and saving his son. And God showed himself, but time has been passing as well. And there are two questions that have been on Abraham's mind, two questions that remained with him uh, and, and uh, have to do with his relationship with God. And God starts when we go to Genesis 15 uh, with a wonderful promise. And that promise was uh, this. He promised uh, that he would, uh, in a vision that he received, he, he received a vision and, and God said to him, I don't want you to be afraid. And we'd be saying, what, well, what does Abraham have to be afraid about? Well, he had escaped from Pharaoh. He took the five kings. They could come after him. Um, there, he had a, a cool reception from the king of Sodom. And, and uh, so God says, I don't want you to be afraid. Although there are things that can make you afraid, I want you to understand this. I am your shield. Not I'll give you a shield, but I myself, God says, will be your shield. Uh, I'll protect you. You don't have to worry. I pledge to you your safety. And he goes on and talks about his provision. He says, I'll also be your great reward. Not I'll give you a great reward. I myself am your great reward. Uh, he was, would be concerned about uh, his his uh, provision, food, and all of the things that he needs for daily living. Uh, he came into a place where he ran into a famine. And God says, look, I'm going to provide for you. I pledge that provision for you. And, and, and so God makes these promises to him. God makes promises to us also. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, he, uh, Peter talks to us about great and precious promises that come from God. Pre promises like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Promises like, I'll, I'll keep that which you've committed to me against that day. Promises like, I won't allow you to be tempted beyond the threshold that you can handle, but I'm going to make a way of escape. Uh, uh, promises like, if you sin, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just and I'll forgive you uh, your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to just offer a little warning here because not everything that may come to us comes as a promise from God. 
Uh, I remember talking to a lady who was just reading in her Bible, and I think she was reading in Jeremiah, and something she read said something that's... Um, <clears throat> that I'll give you a spacious dwelling. <clears throat> She'd been wanting uh, a, a new home, a bigger home for a long time. And she said to me, God told me that he's going to give me a, a new home, uh, uh, this spacious dwelling. And we need to be careful that we don't take something that is for someone else and apply it to ourselves. Um, there are things pro like Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Well, I, I hate to say this to you, but that's not a promise from God. That's a proverb from God. It's a proverb of, of a, a, uh, something that is, uh, connected all the time. Uh, to God. It, it, it's a truism. It's something that is generally true. So generally, if you train up your children in the way they should go, generally, they don't depart from that. Um, we need to understand our Bible correctly to understand what God is saying and what he isn't uh, saying, what he promises and what he isn't promising. Abraham's gone through about 10 years since God called him from Ur. And uh, he's, he has uh, not seen some of the things that God had promised that he would give him. And so this provokes a question from Abraham. And his first question uh, is, what about his offspring? God had said, I'm going to make you a nation, a great nation. And, uh, and 10 years have gone by. And, and uh, Abram and Sarah have not had a child. That's a problem for him. The clock is ticking. The biological clock is ticking. Ten years have passed. Now uh, we've got Abram is probably about 85 years old. And Sarah's about 75 years old. She's past the childbearing age. And in, in uh, verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 15, it says this, But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He says, basically, we've run out of time. We, we don't have any opportunity. Any, you, you promised, and, and, and somehow I believe you, but the promise seems to be in jeopardy. And, and how is it that I'm going to know that you're going to fulfill that promise that I will have a child and that there will be a nation that will come from me? I don't get it. He's confused. He's struggling. He, he believes, but he can't see how it's going to happen. In fact, what he does do and what was common in those days was if you had no heir, you would take a trusted servant and that trusted servant you would adopt and they would be heir of your uh, belongings when uh, you would pass away. So he's confused and trusted uh, and, and, and uh, not trusting fully. And God confirms that promise with him. He, he says, I want you to come outside I want you to come out and look up into the heavens. And they don't have the kind of light pollution that we do. And on a clear night, you'd see the sky, the sky just studded with little diamonds. And uh, he says, if you could count those, I'm going to give you more than that. I'm going to give you a, a great nation. And he 
comes back and he reaffirms what he said 10 years ago, what he's going to do. That time had passed, but he is reaffirming everything. And uh, Abraham needs to know that he can trust him. Well, the means of there's there's a means of being right with God in Genesis chapter 15 and verse six. There is an incredible verse uh, that could get lost by us. Uh, There's there's this it's a gem that we could easily pass over, but uh, it's a bedrock of what our faith rests on. And uh, it's so amazing that it's picked up in the New Testament and quoted in two of the books, Romans and Galatians. And the fundamental question is, really, how can a person be made right with God? What do you have to do to have a right relationship with God? On what basic... Uh, On what basis do we have that relationship with God? What do you have to do? Religion has probed that question from the very first uh, uh, of the beginning. Virtually every religion uh, or faith system is dependent upon what we need to do to earn the favor and the acceptance of a deity or a god or a goddess. How do we merit his or her acceptance? The requirements vary from religion to religion, and uh, some people really don't know exactly what to do. They they just try and think what they would have to do to make themselves amenable to their uh, their gods or goddesses. And... and, uh, if they've got to fill in some uh, uh, prescribed requirement, they need to know what it is. Um, And so we find out that God would speak into his life. He'd already... He'd already blown it. He'd already uh, had a a disappointing time. He failed to trust God and went down to Egypt and lied and all the rest of that. Uh, He he was already on the hot seat. Uh, uh, he'd, He'd blown it. What God had demanded was righteousness. And as great a person and as great a man of faith that Abraham was... He also didn't have the kind of righteousness that, need, that, that it would require for him to be accepted with God. And so this astounding statement in this verse comes out. Abraham believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. Did you get that? Abraham believed the Lord and God credited that to him as righteousness. It was on the basis of his belief that God accepted him. It was on the basis of his trust, on on his confidence in God, on his commitment to believe what God said and who God was and what uh, what he came to him with. Did you get this? He uses an accounting term. The accounting term is to credit, like to put a credit on Abraham's account. He didn't earn that. He didn't earn it by all the things that he did. He received it as a gift because he believed God and did nothing more than to believe him. This stands in contradistinction to every 
religion on the face of the earth. Even Christianity is twisted to, to miss this whole point and, and, and causes a lot of people to be legalists trying to get accepted with God by all the things they do to live for God or please God. But that's not how, God, how uh, Abraham was accepted by God. And so we have in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 the same saying that uh, he, would, he would understand that the people in the New Testament would have to know this, that believing in the Lord is accrediting a, uh, righteousness to a person, putting it on their account. And the same with Galatians 3, chapter 6. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You, you would think that he could earn his way in somehow. All religion is basically that way. This is what theologians would call imputed righteousness. It's given to him. He didn't earn it. That was granted to him. And uh, he is declared righteous in that. Um, listen to what it says in, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. In, in John 3.16, that verse that we know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How does that come to us? It, it comes by believing. For by grace you're saved through faith. It's God's grace and his goodness and his favor to you that you don't deserve. It's by faith. It's by believing. It's not by anything that we do. It's nothing that we accomplish by virtue of our deeds. Um, but it's a gift from God, not of works so that no one could boast. In the end, none of us can boast that we earned our salvation. We earned a right relationship with God. All of us receive it only by trusting in Him. Well, God has a promise for a land for, uh, for Abraham. Uh, God said in, uh, in chapter 15 and verse 7, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to take possession of it. Uh, here is God saying, I, I've given you this land. When he came in, he said, I want you to walk north and south, east and west. I'm giving you all that land. I want you to look to the north. I want you to look to the south. Everything you see, I'm giving to you. And that promised another, uh, that prompted another concern or a query from, uh, from Abraham. Uh, since you've not mentioned it, uh, he says this, I've got a question for you. And here's his question in verse 8. Uh, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? You've told me that the land is mine, but I don't see it happening. I mean, I've been here 10 years. Uh, I've been here and, and all the, the Canaanites are there. All the different tribal groups are there. I don't see it's, how it's going to happen uh, for me. And, and God will come back and, and, and he'll respond to this question. God will guarantee his promise with Abraham by a covenant. 
He's going to tell him, Abraham, you can trust me. You can count on me. You can continue to put your faith on me. And he does something very, very strange to us. In this answer, God instructs him to take a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a dove, and a pigeon. And he said, I want you to slaughter those animals. And he said, I want you to cut them in half, and I want you to set the pieces aside so that there is a, there is a, down the middle, there's a little pathway. Now we're going, like, this is just crazy. What, what in heaven's name is going on here? And uh, what happens is, is this. Abraham knew exactly what God was doing. And, and so he responds. He's going to establish a covenant with him, a relationship. And this is something in ancient Near East uh, that was done. And, and so uh, he's told to slaughter the animals. He does that. He lays them all out. And uh, he's going to make a covenant or an agreement with Abraham, a contract, if you will. It's a way of regulating a relationship. Here's what I want from you, and here's what I'm going to do for you. And, and so there's, it's, it's like a contract. It's like your marriage is a contract, a marriage uh, license. You pledge your faith and, and uh, your uh, constancy of your love to each other in a, in a contract. Well, this is like, uh, this is a, a contract, you might say, only it's of a different kind. Here, the parties normally would walk through those animals and they would recite what they would do for one another. And they would recite uh, what would happen, what the consequences would be if they didn't uh, uh, follow and, uh, through with their co- covenant responsibilities. Each one would do that. Now, sometimes the, the greater person and the lesser person would go through together. And many times it would just be the lesser person that would walk through. And when he would look at those slaughtered animals cut in half, it would say it would be in essence this. Um, if you don't obey the elements of this covenant, you'll be like one of those, cut to pieces. Your, your, your life will be over. That's the kind of thing that was, that was done there. And so Abraham uh, has uh, this, uh, cuts, the, cuts these animals all up, and then he's trying to scare the vultures away. They're, they see this, and they're, they're wanting to prey on that. And Abraham falls into a deep, 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 sleep of darkness. And uh, as nighttime comes, uh, what happens is uh, God shows up. Now, it's interesting how God shows up. He, he comes uh, at, at the time of, uh, of night, and he, it's, he's described as a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. This is nothing less than the, the, than the presence of God in that place. If we go ahead to Mount Sinai, where, when God spoke on the mountain and gave the law to his people, we see that there was smoke and darkness and fire and lightning. And it was a terrifying experience for the Israelites to be, have God come down and be in their presence. And here, this is, is kind of an awesome thing, too. This smoking fire pot, this blazing torch comes. God shows up in the midst of this. And then something absolutely astounding occurs. 
normally you see the lesser party would go through or the greater party and the lesser party would go through together. But Abraham had no participation in this uh, ceremony. God himself went through. God, in essence, said, I've made a promise to you. Now I'm taking that another step further. Not that he had to. God was absolutely reliable. If he said he would do something, he would do it. But to show Abraham how serious he was, he goes in and through uh, the, the midst of those uh, carcasses by himself. And in so doing, he was pledging that he would be faithful to uh, fulfill all of his responsibilities. The other part of that, as I said before, was this. He was saying, in essence, may, may I be torn to, to pieces like these animals are if I fail to live up to my covenant responsibility to you. Do you remember when we started this whole series, we said it all begins with God. It wasn't Abraham that began, but it was God that began. God chose him. God called him. And now God is, is uh, uh, fulfilling his promise to him as well. And he didn't have to do that. He chose to do that. He, he chose to show us how serious he was in, in his commitment to Abraham and that his promises are sure. But now I have to just warn you a little bit too. The God's timetable is not always our timetable. His timetable can differ from ours greatly. And uh, sometimes God delays things. We don't understand why. I've often tried to uh, counsel God in, in terms of what I think would be best in timing of things, but he knows best. And his, his is uh, not our, his timing isn't always our timing. And, and so we see that Abraham is going to have to learn to trust him and recognize that God's schedule may not be the same as his. God reckons time differently. Now, Peter would tell us in 2 Peter 2, uh, or 3, uh, that with the Lord, uh, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So for us, we can become very impatient. We want something. We want God to answer it. We want him to fulfill it and do it now. And yet sometimes God chooses not to do that. In fact, the next verse in here, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so God said, um, there's going to be a 400-year delay on this. The people, you're going to get the land, but there's going to be a delay. And one of the reasons he tells us this is, is fascinating. In Genesis 15 and verse 16, it says, uh, this would not happen now because the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. What is he saying? He's saying the inhabitants who are, who are wicked, who live in the land of Canaan, uh, I am tolerating them. For, for a longer time. And when they become more and more wicked, I will judge them through bringing my people in to bring them into the land that I'd given to them. But the Lord was willing to uh, be patient in, in hopes that they might turn their heart to God. I want to say something else here to 
but is uh, difficult maybe for us to take. And that is, he said, you're going to go and you're going to go to another country. That would be Egypt. God would use Egypt to grow a family into a whole nation. But he said, there are going to be times when you'll be enslaved and, and you'll be mistreated and there'll be oppression. And so God doesn't always promise us a, a, a bed of roses. Sometimes we have to go through some difficulties and some trials. And, and that would be the case here. But God would fulfill his promises uh, to them. God uh, in this is unbelievable, is extravagant, is over the top. He made a pledge to puny Abraham that he would fulfill all of his his uh, responsibilities to him. And, and, and uh, that is, my friends, grace. He makes this promise even my, more sure by this covenant that he goes through. And 2,000 years after the time of Abraham, uh, God the Son would come to earth. He would come to make the pledge of a new covenant in himself. And as, as the day, uh, darkness descended upon Abraham, uh, in that time. So Jesus Christ, who gave up his life and, and allowed him to be suggested, subjected to uh, all kinds of torture and, and terrible, terrible treatment, finds that at midday, at noon till three in the afternoon, the whole of the land turned dark. It's kind of reminiscent of that. Here is God the Son hanging on a cross, dying for our sin so that he could extend grace and mercy to us. And he was, he was uh, 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 taking upon himself the, uh, the terrible curse of our sin, the benefits he would bring, but the curse he would take upon himself. In Galatians 3 and 13, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. And here is Christ giving his life, taking, uh, taking the, uh, the curse uh, against us, taking our failures and paying the penalty for them on the cross. He, and uh, the words come back to us from, a uh, from Abraham. He, he, he believed God and it was accounted unto him righteousness. And to all who would accept him, to all who would believe in him, who'd, all, who, who'd put their trust in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. What an incredible thing God has done. I want to ask you a question. Have you opened your heart to Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith and your trust in him and what he's done for you when he died for you on the cross? Have you, have you come to him in humility and recognize there's nothing you could do? You, you and I both were, were sinners. We had no, no claim upon God. We had nothing that would bring, him, bring us favor in his eyes and in his sight. Rather, he graciously gave Jesus to die for us and said if we would put our faith and trust in him and what he did for us, that he would accept us. 
I, I find it so sad when people work feverishly uh, in, in all they can do, hoping that God would love them or accept them. And maybe that's a, a throwback to some of their relationships. And he says, I love you, and I'm going to demonstrate my love by pouring out my life unto death and, absor- uh, and uh, taking that uh, punishment upon uh, myself for you. He did that for us. And I trust that you can put your faith and your trust in him if you haven't already. And I want you to know that you can contact us at the church. You can email us and someone would be happy to talk to you and and help you understand that better better if you uh, would help. Uh, It's not about earning our our way with God. It's not about him, uh, us doing enough to get him on side. Rather, it is trusting in him. And as we live life, all of life is to be lived trusting God, trusting in his word. And, uh, and some of you are struggling. Some of you uh, are, are, are uh, having a, a tough time right now. And, and maybe you're, you're just slipping a little bit. I want to encourage you to hang on to God. Keep your trust in him. Keep following him and obeying him for your job, for your marriage, for your schooling, for all of those things. I, I just want to tell you uh, one experience that uh, Gerda and I had. We went through a, a very challenging time and we believed that uh, God was directing us to train for ministry. We'd committed it to much prayer. We had talked to uh, people whom we trusted, uh, Christian leaders. And we just sensed that God was leading us to take a bold uh, step, uh, to sell our home, uh, to relocate to London, to to go to seminary, uh, to prepare ourselves for ministry. Uh, You know, I got to tell you that I thought, God, we're, we're doing all this for you. Um, I think this is going to be a cakewalk. We'll probably sell our house for over uh, asking and, and uh, we'll, it'll sell right away. We'll find a place in London and we can continue our lives there. And it didn't work that way. Uh, I told you often I've tried to let the Lord know uh, my thoughts on things, what I, I think would be best for timing. And uh, anyway, God wasn't selling our house. And week by week, and then month by month. And then I had to come down myself and begin my schooling. And, and finally, we sold the house. And I can remember how excited we were because we were in a buyer's market. So it's going to be a cakewalk to be able to find a, a house that, that we can um, f- uh, hopefully get something that will suit us. And everything seemed to go wrong. Every place we tried to put an offer in on, somebody came in just before us. And I'm sorry, we can't even accept the offer. It's had an accepted offer on it. And, and one thing, one debacle after another happened. And uh, I tell you, I, I, I came home from classes one day. We we're living uh, a couple of hours, more than two hours apart from each other and just seeing each other on the weekend. And I... I just lay down, began to pray to the Lord, and he gave me such a sense of, of surety that he would take care of us. We were down now to 11 days. We had to be out of our house, and we had no place to go. But God, as he often does, comes through in his time, not our time. We found that house. We were able to move in in 11 days, and God began us on a new journey with him. 
Don't be discouraged. Uh, if, if you're struggling, keep hanging on to God, trusting him, and, and think about the incredible things that he's done to commit himself to us, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this incredible act that you did when you committed a, a, a covenant relationship uh, to Abraham and he had did nothing to deserve it. Thank you for your grace that we don't deserve. Thank you for that expression of your love. Thank you for what Jesus did for us. And I pray that you'd help us to live faithfully before you, trusting you for all of our needs, all of the situations that confront us, and that we would learn more about this journey of walking by faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.